and welcome back to Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the podcast that's never going to leave you frozen for 54 years. My name is Jeremy Greer. I am joined by my host, my co-host, as always, Chris Mosier. Chris, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, partner? Uh, it has rained nonstop here for like 18 million years. So uh, every time we take the dogs yeah. out, they just like pad around and like two they inch float deep away, <laughs> and we have to like wipe off their feet. It's the most miserable experience I've had in quite some time. I'm really, really tired of it. That sucks. Time to get those dogs some rain boots. Uh, weather here is well. Oh, actually, it's po- this is podcast appropriate for anyone who's listening to uh, Jeremy Greer, Chris Mosher podcasts together. Um, I am often getting creamed. Oh no! <laughs> whilst recording podcasts, I forgot we we're entering and, cream weather. And, oh no! <laughs> we got a little. We got a little soft cream this morning. But anyway, the listener doesn't need to know about cream. The listener needs to know about space cowboys. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to do another two episodes of Cowboy Bebop um, sessions fifteen and sixteen. Uh, neither of which kind of contribute to our overarching mythos, but we we do flesh out some some we do some world build we do some character development with uh, both yeah, Faye yeah. and Jet, and uh, and Ed continues to be super great throughout all of these. Yep, yep. I just think hanging just hanging tight. I think these two episodes are notable because uh, Spike barely does anything in them. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of unusual for for these episodes of Spike just just not being in them at all. I used to really dislike that when, you know, the first time I, I watched this, because he was my favorite. He's like the cool guy. And when you're a teenager, that's all you're going to grab onto, some, somebody like that. Now I think it's a little bit more interesting to see these characters stand on their own, which I think, had this been a um, multi-year show, like we got with a lot of American cartoons of this time, I think we would have gotten a lot of, you know, uh, standalone episodes where we follow Faye or we follow Jet. Um but because this is only you know twenty four episodes, whatever it is, these stand out a little bit more. And this is the first episode that we get about Faye. I'm pretty sure uh, that's just about Faye. And then this was the second episode I think that we got that was mostly about Jet, because the first one we got is when he went back to his town um, where he used to live with his old girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this is this is the follow up to that. So we still. Um, we still have a little bit more left to learn about Faye after these two, but are we counting uh, the first episode where we meet Faye as not Faye's episode? I feel like that one's that's still Spike Joint, but okay. yeah, I mean, in a way, in a way, that's mm-hmm. a Faye episode. I don't know. But they, they both have two backstory episodes, <laughs> so <laughs> that's what these are. These are backstory episodes. Excellent. Um, I like these both. Uh, I think they're. Um, I, I don't find them as like they're 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 watchable. They're interesting. They're good world building. I wasn't uh, blown away by things in, yeah, this, in these right, episodes. Like right. it's not they're not they're not over the top great like some of the past ones have been. They're still all of the hallmarks of a good cowboy bebop episode, which is like some some funny jokes, Ed acting wacky, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some, a space battle uh, at mm-hmm. least one. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to talking to him, talking about them. You want you want to get yeah. into it? Yeah, uh, let's do it. Uh, the first episode that we're going to be covering is My Funny Valentine. This aired January 30th, 1999. It was written by Kiko Nobumoto. Faye recounts her awakening from cryogenic freezing and a man, Whitney Hagas Matsumoto, who helped her what before dying. Jet, however, arrives on the ship having caught him for a bounty. Faye now needs to know what was real. Um, there's some, there's some wacky characters in this. This Whitney character mm-hmm. is being the first. His th- thing that happens at the end, I did not <laughs> expect to happen, and it's kind of funny and weird in, in a great yeah. way. Um, this whole episode is is funny. I guess that's in the title. 
but we're gonna uh, we, we start out with Faye in some sort of cryogenic storage, uh, just kind of being brought out. Uh, but we go, very quickly go back over to um, the Bebop, which is just Ed and uh, Jet trying to find something to eat, which is going to be the common theory theme with these next yeah. two episodes. <laughs> these poor our poor cowboy Bebops are just starving all the time. They never mm-hmm, have food. Mm-hmm. And this in in and Bebop fashion, they start off with that little tease of something important Mm -hmm. uh, which is usually we see something like through spike's eyes or through spike's memory uh that then they'll cut over to the wackiness but here yeah we see we see Faye waking up cryogenic sleep or whatever the hell it is and then immediately into the craziness um and then from there jet's like hey i have a job but it's only to catch this like kind of low level womanizing scam artist so it's not really worth a lot but as we see they don't they probably take whatever they can get at this point yeah, they're they're in desperate straits. Um, Faye is napping on the couch when Ein, our favorite space dog, uh, wakes her up, and then she tries to go back to sleep. But Ein has has dropped a majorly smelly poop somewhere, and she has to clean that up because you can't. I don't know if you've ever tried this. If you if you ever if you've been asleep and a dog like poop in the same room with you, and you kind of wake up and you're like, "What is that?" You can't go back to sleep after something. Yeah, like that I used to have that with with one of my cats who would lay some some major stinkers. I'd like to think that Data Dog Ein is better than that, but I mean, no one's perfect. I feel like Data Dog. Ein is smart enough to uh, have done this specifically to Faye. Like Faye has treated yeah. <laughs> Data Dog Ein a little badly, so he's he's getting some 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 corgi revenge right now. Ein is actually so smart that he's trying to to trigger the memories that that Faye is going to then work through because he knows that she needs to do some emotional healing, and he's like, "How do I get? How do I kick this all off?" Well, I'm a, I'm a dog. There's only so many things that I have control over, so I'm going to do what I got to do. Because yeah. as she's going to clean this up. Um, Faye, she's she's just waking from a dream, um, but she says that Ayn reminds her uh, of a guy with thin eyebrows. <laughs> like she's just looking at the dog, um, and then she says the name Whitney Haggis Matsumoto, um, and she says to Ayn, "Do you want to know a secret about my past?" Um, and wine, uh, Ayn just whines. He's not interested. Yeah, he's, he's not really, really not really interested in this this situation at all. He's like, I That's, just really I wanted you to take my poop away and then feed me something. Like I wanted you, yeah. I wanted to have a transaction here. I wanted to rid myself of some 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 feces and then get myself some food. And now I have to hear your crazy bullshit story. Yeah. Um, so I think my theory about Ayn being a, an emotional su- uh, support for her is not it doesn't it doesn't hold through here. But um, yeah, now we get a flashback to Faye being unfrozen. Yep. Um, we get. Uh, we get like an awkward boob shot. I think that's like angled through her cleavage. I'm sure it is. I don't remember. It is. Um, it is. I was going to bring that up because the camera is set basically on top of her head, looking down her body as this doctor, um, Dr. Bacchus, as we're going to learn here in a minute, um, it kind of leers over her and it's very much the cleavage shot. It's very much it's mm-hmm. like she's, and she's kind of wet too. So they're like wet boobies everywhere. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's kind of leaning and into the cheesecake factor a little bit. Like, like with every bit of fan service, not every bit of fan service, but with a lot of the fan service in this it serves two purposes one is just to to be what it is to just be boobs then that's it uh and the other is to i don't know maybe i I started to get the sense because this this doctor is like leering over her to make Faye seem i don't know violated it's probably too strong of a word but vulnerable um and she's she's literally just like at the mercy of these of these kind of gross people who have done her a disservice not a physical disservice um but they have they have done her wrong 
Yeah, because they very quickly point out uh, the doctor calls himself a former alcoholic and makes like a dumb joke about Balkus being a weakest for Balkus or something, which I didn't, I don't, I don't quite get, but I'm not even going to be here or there. Yeah. <laughs> he very quickly tells her, uh, you know, everything's fine. Um, you're awake. You're, uh, you don't look like an old woman. So uh, mm-hmm. now all that needs to be done is you just need to settle this 300 million, 228,000 Wulong account so yeah. that we can let you go. Um, and With of course, 54 years of interest. 54 years. She's been asleep and uh Faith, she's waking up having no idea that anything is wrong yeah oh shit it's been up. 54 years this is like how when i came out of college i was like oh how much <laughs> how what's long? what's going on <laughs> what year is it <laughs> wait a minute you never said anything about compound interest i never took yeah. those classes <laughs> i feel like if i should t- if i take those loans you should give me those classes for free um but Faye doesn't doesn't know anything. She doesn't have any memory of this, and uh, the nurse very quickly confirms that she's not acting. And then uh, that's when we she we switch over to the hospital room that she's going to mm-hmm. wake up from, and we meet our friend Whitney or Matsumoto, um, and he claims to be Faye's lawyer on behalf of the insurance company, and tells her her name is Faye Valentine. And um, the first thing he asks is, you know, what can you remember? And she's like, well, I remember that that's a <clears throat> that's a monitor and uh, that's a cell phone and that's a something else. Like she starts identifying objects in the room, but she doesn't remember who he is. And uh, yeah. and he tells her, like, actually, uh, when you were twenty, you were involved in a serious accident. They froze you, and they've you've been frozen for fifty four years. And uh, when she kind of rejects that, she's like, "There's no possible way." He's like, "Well, that monitor is actually a washing machine, and that thing that you call yeah. a cell phone is actually like a bio detection device." And he sticks it in her mouth, and it tells her her temperature and blood pressure and all this other stuff. And he's like, "Actually, your blood pressure is really low." Like he seems genuinely concerned yeah, about her doing yeah. this. This guy, uh, this guy sells his whole his whole act very very well to the point where we don't we don't know that it's an act. We have no way. Uh, or no reason to think that. Uh, here, Faye says that sh- she must be dreaming, of course, which is that these characters are always talking about dreaming, living in a dream, walking in a dream, waking from a dream, whatever the hell it is, um, where it's like Faye had a life that she can't remember, and everything that she's perceiving now is so surreal that it, that it feels like it's a dream. And obviously, obviously, Faye's not dreaming. But I just think that that is an interesting kind of parallel between the three main characters, that they have this sort of perception, this dreamlike perception of reality. Um, but yeah, she also was like, I, yeah, I don't I don't believe any of your bullshit, Whitney. This is uh, this is bonkers. This is crazy town talk. But uh, also, too, uh, I cannot remember anything about who I was before. Um, so she not only does she does she not have her memories from the life that she lived 54 years ago. But she is now living and, and trapped in a world that is not her own. So it's not even like she can go like look up and see like if she had a sister or something who is now 54 years older than she was then. But something to tether her, some place she could go back to. Faye doesn't remember anything. So she's just stranded in a world that for her, like a day ago, didn't exist. Yeah, when, when Captain America woke up, he went to a Captain America museum and everybody was like super stoked that he had done all those good stuff. And he went to visit his old friend Peggy Carter, which he had never quite had a relationship with. Um, so, and you know, Faye doesn't have any of that bullshit. <laughs> Faye, no. Faye was not a, a superhero for the United States. Faye did not kill any Nazis that we know about, or at least she's not praised for killing any Nazis. So uh, it's got to be pretty startling. And of course, this leads to her um, wanting to escape, as you might imagine. Like, I think that'd be anybody's mm-hmm. first reaction in waking up to this. So that night she sneaks out. But of course, on her way out, she, she triggers an alarm. Um, so 
and then she's kind of in the world. She she gets into this like uh, kind of convenience store setup, but all of these mm-hmm. vending machines are futuristic and like loudly screaming and projecting holograms at her, which is really abrasive. Um, she she tries to flag down a car, but only realizes it's a it's a flying ship, which I'm assuming were was something that she's never seen before. Yeah. And then uh, our good friend Whitney shows up and tries to flag her down, but she she runs off the road away from him and eventually collapses, allowing him to catch up with her. And she's kind of in tears, saying, "You know, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't pay any of this. I have I have you know I don't I can't do any of this." And he's super nice, like he gives her his jacket and he says, "You know, I'll help you out. And if you hang in there, you just might meet somebody wonderful." And uh, mm-hmm. and this is going to start kind of this weird montage of a relationship that Faye and, and Whitney are going to have that are that is very cute and also crazy unrealistic. Like it, yeah. not not like unrealistic for a cartoon, but like it's it's just it's sad that this that this woman was taken in by this dude because you could just you can just yeah. tell like all of this is fake and not real. It's too good to be true. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. and it, it, it I think this informs Faye's character a little bit. Obviously, I think she's. She's like tough as nails now, you know. She's very wily, and she she is able to manipulate people and and survive and and fight, and she, she's capable of quite a lot. Uh, modern day Faye, you know, the one that's on the Bebop now, but this Faye that just woke up is is alone. She's not herself. She's not in her own time. She's in horrible debt. She's incredibly just fucked and she runs away from it and when she ran away somebody followed her somebody scooped her back up and and whisked her away again and even though that turns out to all be a lie you can maybe see why that's part of why she continues to do it on the bebop where we've seen her run away more than once and then she meets back up with the boys again because you know especially when they were um on was it ganymede um jupiter jazz that's that that episode right uh part one and two yeah when she goes to the planet she's um she she ran away hoping that they would follow her because there's just some some part of her that needs to run but wants to be caught you know and and maybe that's just that that first thread of that came through here as she runs away from the hospital and then she's picked up again by this Whitney fella and this uh this montage is your typical i think um like romantic setup like a romantic movie setup he he gets her dressed first they have to avoid the insurance agents like there's collection agents mm-hmm. after him uh, oh no no wait that that happens in a little bit he picks her up and uh they and he kind of whisk her through this magical life where he he dresses yeah. her up he takes her dancing there's this really nice kind of pretty song playing in the background uh they you can tell they're 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 falling in love with each other like that's what we're like ever all of the camera angles are like very stereotypical romantic comedy kind of kind of things which i think are not romantic comedy but just straight up romance movie of two people falling yeah it's in like love. it's like the whole new world sequence of from aladdin or something which yeah i haven't seen sure. since i was four years old so that might not be the, the appropriate <laughs> reference but he's she's showing her the world and he's he's dolling her up and he's giving her everything that a girl could want and then um, as they're driving back from one of their many dances, uh, the in- collection agents sh- show up and uh, he basically just tells her to jump out of the car and go back to the medical clinic where she'll be safe. And uh, when she says, like, why are you doing this? He says, oh, I have to. It's it's it, because a prince has to protect his sleeping beauty. Uh, I don't know. I think we neglected to mention that he called her a sleeping beauty when she yeah. woke up in the hospital yeah. room. But very much that whole sleeping beauty situation. Uh, she runs towards the, the medical clinic and there's an explosion in the background. And uh, very quickly we find out not only has he died, he has left all of his assets to her. But he doesn't actually have any assets. He just has a whole lot of debt. Yeah. So that three hundred million Wulongs has gotten quadrupled, basically. So yeah. now she owes all kinds of money. So Faye's 
just gone from having uh, the biggest shock that a brain could probably experience and still function normally with, uh, to then having it all made better and then immediately all made way worse again. Have you uh, have you ever read Transmetropolitan, the comic book that uh, Warren Ellis? Wrote? I have, I have read that some of that actually. Yeah, there's um, there's a a couple of I think it's just one issue or maybe two issues that deal with uh, cryogenic storage and turning these people from the 20th century out into the 31st when they just they just they lose their minds so quickly because mm-hmm. the future is so scary and I, I kind of feel like that's what's happening here. She's just she's in she's in shock almost and then going yeah. through this whole romantic thing, it just you know it, it lets her forget the shock but it doesn't have her deal with it so she's not really compared to do to deal with any of this stuff at this point um mm-hmm. but she we jump back up to the president where she's telling ein that you know hey that debt that i got wasn't like i already owed 300 million wulongs like what am i gonna do um and at this point because this they've been the sitting in front of the bathroom <laughs> yeah, spike just, walks like, out just flushing the toilet <laughs> spike has just been in there just squeezing one off for a while and uh of course you know Faye's like how long have you been in there and he's like way too long you really need to edit this story yeah yeah it's just like the the perfect the perfect spike intro of him just whether or not he was going to the bathroom the whole time it doesn't matter it's just him flushing the toilet and coming out like, i literally can't stand this anymore i'm done i'm walking away um even though i do think that spike is interested in Faye in a in a um you know personal way and uh but he, he just he can't show that he cares and also in a way this is almost is him showing that he cares by being like yeah i, I just listen to everything you just said so yeah, this is this is too cool to care. Spike, who is not, is you know is not going to admit that he actually cares, or not mm-hmm. going to admit that he, you know, wants to know anything about this woman at all. Um, I don't I don't think that they've really implanted any kind of romantic relationship between Spike mm-hmm. and Faye. I don't I don't know if that happens. Like no, that wasn't listeners. yeah, that wasn't what I was trying to imply or anything. I just yeah mean, yeah. Like, if, they're if, they're they're comrades regardless of how Spike likes to act. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I'm curious if they're gonna if they're gonna try to stress that. I feel like this show is not gonna bother with any of those kind of interpersonal relationships like that. But well, I guess we'll see. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. I have not. Well, I watched one episode ahead beyond what we've recorded, but I haven't gotten that far. And that one's so. pretty goofy. So <laughs> and that one's pretty over the top and a little weird. We'll get to that uh, uh, next there's time. There's some weird ones. All right, but uh, yeah. So now we we cut back to to, to Jet, who, who he brought in the uh, the Don Juan as they keep calling him, um, the guy he was talking about earlier, the scammer that he was trying to catch, um, and it's this you know kind of heavy set older guy he's not an old man but you know he's, he's pushing it a little bit but and, he does um, have thin eyebrows he has thin eyebrows and Faye takes one look at him and realizes that this motherfucker is whitney yep not dead uh, after all uh so she immediately throws him and uh, she, she likes him up and starts demanding a bunch of answers it's like you know what you know what have you done with yourself and he's like oh i got a, a fat implant like they went through my left arm and they implanted all this fat and he's like i don't she's like i don't care about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not interested in boy, this and your weight gain it doesn't matter um, and, um and he basically says like i wanted i had all of this debt and i had to somehow start from scratch uh so i kind of got stuck with this doctor uh and I, I i set this whole thing up so that i could get rid of my debt like i didn't it wasn't personal but you you just happened to be the person to come along to let me uh, you know do this scam so that i could mm-hmm. get out from under my debt mm-hmm. um and so also he says it's been three years so that means that Faye is only 23 which feels like way too young to like be a person but that i mean it's probably because i'm a mess at 28 so uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah so that that sucks for Faye because the doctor was in on it whitney was in on it like everybody that she met back then was just was just scamming her um 
Jack and, and Spike are having this conversation. Yeah. They're like, women are totally hopeless. They don't work on reason. Uh, you know, that she's probably going to fall back in love with him. And Spike is like, I'm worried she's going to kill that dude. Like, I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, because she would have to have a heart in the first place to set him free. Um, so, Jet is preparing to, to turn over the bounty. Um, and, like, you know, they're, they're heading out in another ship. Uh, and that's when we see the doctor and his assistant. And they have uh, suddenly shown up. And this is when Faye decides she's going to free Whitney, but not exactly because she wants to actually free him, but because she's like, you know what, you motherfucker, I need some answers. Um, This has probably been a dangling thread for Faye for a very long time, and if she can find anything out about her past or about what happened back then, I'm sure it would mean a lot to her. Absolutely. And uh, doing this triggers Zero-G inside the Bebop. So as Spike and Jet try to chase her down, they're kind of stuck floating in midair without being able to push off of anything, which I think is also kind of yeah. funny. Um, but she she locks them out of the hangar, loads uh, big old Whitney up in her ship <laughs> and takes off and skims <laughs> the police ship that the, the doctor and his nurse are in. And uh, Whitney, this whole time, is completely freaking out. He has no idea what's going on. He, he doesn't know why Faye has taken her. But, of course, like you just mentioned, Faye just wants to know about the truth how it, of, of who, who she is. And um, mm-hmm. at this point, Spike has managed to get in his ship. So now it's time for a good old-fashioned dogfight. And uh, I like a lot of this. Uh, this yeah. like All of the like the fast turns they're doing where they're pulling Gs and you can almost like feel the animation tug you it's along so with it. It's yeah. really good. Uh, um, and Spike is being kind of smarmy and like sh- shooting at her. He's like, "Hey, next time I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna aim. Next time you got to be careful," <laughs> which mm-hmm, is really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, there's this like weird, playful back and forth because I don't know. Part of Spike, I think, feels like he has to do his job, or like part of Spike also is too cool to care and he doesn't give a shit. And the other side of him, I think, is almost letting her have this moment and letting her play along i don't know it's strange they have a strange relationship and this whole thing is is always too cool to care i guess like the, the all yeah. the whole fucking lot of them are too cool to care um but yeah so she's Faye is in the ship with whitney and she's trying to get some answers from him but really he doesn't really know anything um yeah he doesn't know anything when they uh when they when the police ship with the doctor catches up, like he confirms, cause she keeps asking who am I, who am I, who am I? And the doctor says, all we really know is that you were definitely cryogenically frozen. Like that, that is true. All of your other data was lost in a gate explosion, uh, which makes me wonder like which of these gate ex- explosions that we've heard about so far, like what, is there some sort of weird provenance there mm-hmm. that like spike caused a gate explosion that caused this data to be lost, but probably not going to happen. I don't <laughs> really care about it. Um, um but they don't know anything. And then uh, the real police show up and they're looking for the, the doctor as well as Whitney because <laughs> the doctor is not, is, has stolen a police ship. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when Faye finally decides like, fuck it. I'm going to turn Whitney over. Uh, he caused me off these, all this drama. I deserve the bounty. So I'm going to get this, uh, what she thought was like a 19,000 Wulong bounty. Yeah. Also, um, the doctor is Whitney's uncle. Yeah. <laughs> which it's is just this whole, this whole yeah. fucking mess. Um, yeah, man, they bail out yeah. and, uh, Faye decides she's just turning them in and everything, everything just kind of sucks for this. We see a whole range of emotions from her throughout this episode, mm-hmm. but I think her fight, like she, she knows her name as Faye Valentine, but even that's fake. Like she doesn't know anything about her herself and she has created this persona that the way that she acts with everybody, but I don't even know how much of it Faye believes to be real. Um, because she's just been through a lot of turmoil in the last three years and it's been a, a lot of, um, fighting to survive for the last three years. So she doesn't, she doesn't really know who she is whatsoever. 
And uh, while he's in prison, Whitney says, hey, one part of this was actually true. Like, I didn't lie the entire time. I actually did fall in love with you while you were sleeping. And uh, she kind of looks at him, and then he immediately starts saying, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. And he's got, you know, embarrassment red on his cheeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, obviously, it was it was true. And But, you know, it's Fade is not going to give a shit about this, this dude who supposedly fell in love with her while she was sleeping because you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you, yeah. That's a weird thing to do. She's yeah. sleeping. You don't know anything about yeah. her. Um so yeah she comes outside and and she uh spike is standing there she accuses spike of being jealous um spike says in your dreams uh more dream talk more dream talk i don't know what it means but more dream talk um she says uh, i'm still in the dark i may never know ever know anything about my past spike says doesn't really matter does it she says easy for you to say you have a past first of all we don't know anything about spike's past other than that it's probably not good and vicious is involved um but she says easy for you to say and he says and you have a future and that's what counts and this is their like the, the one nice thing that spike says in this whole episode to her is that you might not have a past but you have a future and that's really all that matters hang on to that push forward that's all um and he like turns the, over uh, i like her, her trying to say like the bounty Oh yeah, yeah. Because the, the, it wasn't nineteen thousand wulongs; it was nineteen hundred wulongs. Like, whoops. Yeah. Um, but her trying to say, like, you know, you at least you have a past. I want someone Spike to be like, my past follows me around with the fucking like falcon on his shoulder. <laughs> you really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that dude. That dude cannot do anything just normal. He is one hundred percent extra at all times. Have you met Vicious? Like, <laughs> my my past wears a trench coat and a bird and is trying to kill me with a katana. <laughs> I'm basically the crow over here, okay? Don't talk about my past. <laughs> Don't talk about my... You're a debt and I got a man with a bird trying to kill me. And the uh, the the neat thing here at the very end is somebody draws these thin eyebrows on Ayn, which is extremely very cute. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Faye goes back and she's like, I don't want to be reminded of Whitney anymore. So, <laughs> um, And the, the end title card here is uh, Sleeping Beast. And it's... I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, these uh, unique title cards show up more than I expected them to, but this mm-hmm. isn't doesn't just say, uh, see you space cowboy says Sleeping Beast. So that's always something to note. And the uh, preview for the next episode is Jet uh, basically encouraging nobody to watch this, the next episode, but yeah. old men. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you don't want, you girls are not going to be into this. You uh, you young 20-something teens are going to, or 20-somethings and teens are going to be into this. In fact, you really only need to watch this if you're an old dude, which I, I find yeah. a lot of appreciation for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's just slowly narrowing down the list of people who would probably get enjoyment out of this. Uh, this, I mean, it's not that bad, though. So yeah, that kind of wraps up that episode, and um, we 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 learned a little bit about Faye, and that is that she doesn't know who she is. So uh, the amount that we learned about her is that she doesn't know anything about herself. Well, and it's and it's interesting. Like you made the point that you know she comes out of this very traumatic experience. Her her first experience after that is this is getting conned essentially, like mm-hmm. being kind of baited into this relationship and then having that ripped away from her and then having to you know deal with all of this debt and having to you know become this person that she probably wasn't before. This like hard as nails kind of person. And I think that's that's interesting. Like that shows some some of her background of why she probably why she keeps running away from people. Why she holds everybody at arm's length she doesn't she's not gonna let anybody get close because the way that whitney this whole whitney situation especially now that she knew whitney was conning her the whole time which he probably suspected of course she's not gonna get close to anybody yeah this is uh that's that's enough to fuck a person up first you you don't have any memories you got a clean slate but um, the the ones you do got they aren't good so that's uh it's not a good place to start 
Sometimes I think, oh yes, I'd move to where all the shooting stars are gone With all of our wishes How could they bear, oh no, to carry around the stupid human hopes So I'm gonna help I will give me a key to lock the door to the secret paradise There are so many queuing up and I won't let them in Look at them, they are cheeky, they are never worthy to be saved Sometimes I feel, oh yes, I could do almost everything I wanted And it makes me cry The next episode we're covering is Black Dog Serenade. This aired on February 13th, 1999, written by Machiko Yakote. Jet and his old ISSP partner team up to take on a, trans- a prisoner transport ship that has been overtaken by the prisoners. One prisoner aboard, Yudai Taxum, has a history with Jet. Jet finds out how he really lost his arm and how and why his partner betrayed him so many years before. Spoilers. Spoilers. The whole fucking thing. Spoilers. <laughs> this, that's, that's the whole, that's the hook of this that's whole the thing. Twist that's the twist at the last second. <laughs> you don't find that out until like the last couple of minutes of the episode. Uh, I like this episode a lot. Uh, I find it a little bit slower paced than some episodes, but also because it's for learn- old men. Because it's for old men. It's not. It's not over the top or anything. This opening scene is is very very cool though. Yeah. Like we, um, it's a it's a jail door opening and closing. We see a hallway like full of dead people. Red alarm lights are yeah, kind of blaring. The door is jammed on a body, and then the colors like the dark red and the black and the shadow. It's it's very intense. And this guy shows up with a uh, with what looks like a bottle of champagne to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, another guy who was on the floor stands up, and like this first dude with the champagne is like, "Oh my god! Like, look what our god has brought us! Like, we did a you know get, have a drink, my friend. I can't believe you did all of this." And the, the second guy who we're going to find out is you die um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> grabs a bottle, pours it out, and says, uh, "Cheers to the ship that charmed the devil," which yeah. I find kind of an interesting word use yeah. and then uh yeah we get a kind of an outside view of that ship kind of going through a a warp gate yeah um and he poured when he pours out the champagne he pours it into the the mouth of one of the dead bodies of the the people that he's clearly just killed um it seems like you know the prisoners like they plan this escape but it's this udai guy who has really kind of gone to town on everybody Absolutely. And uh, we go back over to the Bebop, and uh, Faye is trying to take a shower, but it's not really working that well. The water pressure is, the water is way too cold. Can't, can't take what a shower. What else is new? Uh, Jet does not seem to care at all and she, while she's like yelling at him about this. And his phone rings, and she's so mad, she picks it up and just immediately hangs it up. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. That could be aborted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so the person calls back, and he's like, okay, 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 whatever. Yeah, I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll fix the shower. Just wait answer the phone call um it's from somebody named fad or fat i wasn't sure what they said it's, uh, i wrote down thad um i guess thad okay so like different interpretations thad. um but here's a but, here's a fun fact about me chris i have an mm-hmm. uncle named tad interesting interesting T-A-D. so like they're very close Maybe to that thad in, the, in the relationship of names yeah <laughs> uh but but is so taken aback by this so he sees like snipping his bonsai trees that's what we, we always see jet doing this um but he's so taken aback to hear from this person calling him that he's holding a cigarette in his hand and it, and it burns out like on his hand and he, he doesn't feel it so um 
Faye says, oh, you should, you should have that arm fixed up. Um, and he kind of, he gets a little bit angry at her and he says, this is my ship. This is my arm. Uh, nobody tells me when I need to fix shit around here. Um, but I, you gotta, you gotta wonder that's like, it's gotta be a metaphor of some sort, right? A cigarette burning oh, out yeah. on his hand and he can't even feel it. There's th- that, that distant part of his, his life that he shut away. Cause he's, we know from previous episodes that he's never spoken to Spike about how he lost his arm other than saying, this is what I get for whatever running ahead of the game or whatever the hell he says. Um, but he never said specifically what happened. Uh, and now I think we're going to find out. And we go back over to the prisoner ship, um, where all of the death row inmates that were on this ship have taken it over. And, uh, the pilot is still alive and it's basically like, Hey guys, there's no way you're going to get away with this. Like, this is ridiculous. Like just turn yourselves in and everything will be cool. And then the main dude who's going kind of crazy on this whole situation just shoots him in the head. And the other guys are like, Hey, uh, maybe you, maybe you shouldn't do that. Like maybe you should dial it down a little bit. And he, he becomes so angry. He basically starts threatening people. And that's when Udai sits, steps up, pulls out a knife, and just slices the dude's neck open. Yeah, it's this little like flash of, of movement. He cuts the dude's throat. The, the, the dagger like appears in his hand. It's this weird kind of serrated, interesting looking, almost like an arrowhead that appears in his hand. He slashes the dude's throat, and then it's just like, okay, uh, that's it. And then everyone realizes, and I think I actually never really took note of this before, that he was an, a, a syndicate assassin. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the same syndicate that Spike was in. Of course, there's more than one syndicate, um, and we're never going to know, but he was a syndicate assassin, and yeah, his name is Udai. And uh, meanwhile, Jet lands on this planet to meet up with Thad, his old partner, uh, and we, we find some weird stuff out about Thad pretty quickly. Number one, he carries kind of an old-fashioned six-shooter mm-hmm. that we haven't seen on the show before, uh, just a, like a normal-ass revolver from the 20th century, and uh, we also found out he has quit smoking. Uh, and yeah. as they're as they're catching up, and there's a lot of oh, oh my old friend, kind of you know knocking each other on the shoulder, kind of thing. Um, Thad fills him in, and is basically like, "Hey, uh, this ship from Pluto, this prisoner ship, the prisoners took over, and guess what? Your boy Udai is on it, uh, and you know I'm, I know." The ISSP is trying to figure out how to do stuff, and at first, Jet has this weird reaction of like, "Hey, th- this is all past me, man. Like, I don't, I, I don't need to know about any of this. Like, this is this is all in my past life." And Thad's like, "You know, this you're, you're just going to let him get away with what happened to your arm," and and he's like, "You know, that's that's in the past too. Like, I've got a new arm right now," and just kind of walks off. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, as he's walking off, he he starts remembering the day that he he lost his arm, which I think is uh, kind of interesting that we're chasing down you die in this whole situation. Yeah, he. Um, it's also interesting to know that that for the most part, Spike really has put this part of himself away, or Jet has put Jet. this part of himself away. Spike and, uh, firmly living in the past. Yeah, one hundred percent homeboy lives in the past. Um, but Jet, yeah, he seems like he's actually been able able to, in a way, overcome this. So it's a real culture shock, almost bringing him back here, and his kind of like you know. Uh, his partner Tad or whatever busts Thad busts him for um, flicking a cigarette out and, and littering and he's like hey that's a crime you know um, and we see Jet light a second cigarette later and then he as he's walking away like deliberately litters like as if he's like refusing to uh, acknowledge this but he has the flashback and it is eating away at him and this is uh, Thad and and Jet both in like noir twitch trench coat situations yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, look yeah. at look at all cool and like some sepia toned animation um and they decide to split up and you know 
Dad says he's going to go around the back. Uh, Jet keeps chasing Udai. When he catches up with him, Udai turns around, but a spotlight turns on on Jet, and Jet realizes mm-hmm. he had been set up, and somebody shoots him. And yeah. uh, we, we, we he kind of goes back to the present, and he's rubbing his his probably feeling some uh, some phantom pain there. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? definitely. Um, so back on the ship, the the prisoners are discussing how they're going to get through the ISSP. Um, one of them is, I, this didn't really amount to much of anything, but one of them is an ex-cop, uh, and he can pilot the ship. Um, <laughs> they're like, how did you get on death row? And he's like, cops are human, too. They, they can make mistakes. I'm like, yeah. yeah we, sure we all true, fuck but, up, man. Come on. I'm a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now that they, they have their pilot again, they're good to go. Uh, and then back on the Bebop, Jet has basically just like come home, checked in, and now he's heading out again. Um, and the the serious part of this little exchange is that as he's heading out, he asks Ed to water his bonsai for him if he doesn't come back. Um, which we have seen through like seriously like every other episode, we see him tending to that thing. Like it's not like a one off thing for this episode. Uh, that is that is a part of what Jet does. He takes care of these bonsai trees. Um, so the fact that he's mentioning it to somebody. Of, to Ed of all people, who we know won't make it past any judgment or won't be able to take any deeper meaning from that. Like, if he said it to Spike, Spike would be like, what the fuck is going on? But he says it to Ed, who's just like, sure, whatever, I'm going to do a cartwheel over here because nothing matters. Yeah, she starts singing about bonsai trees with no you know, no concept of what he's actually telling her. Um, yeah. uh, we go back to the cops who have gotten close to the prison ship and, uh, and Jet and Thad meet back up around at the same time. The uh, I didn't really understand what was happening here. The the prisoner ship says like we're going to start releasing hostages uh, one by one if you let us pass. But then they like the ship pushes out this cargo container that explodes, and then they just start like shooting the hell out of all of the cop ships. Like I guess this yeah. was a trick to get. The yeah, cops they don't have to, any hostages because they killed everybody. <laughs> they killed all. They killed everybody. Yeah. Um, Thad and Jet are trying to track the ship, and uh, Jet's like, "I don't think he's going to go over there. I think he's going to go to Europa because he's a he's an old school syndicate guy. He doesn't realize like the world has moved on. So like we have mm-hmm. to, we, you got to get back into you get we got to go to Europa to find this dude. Uh, meanwhile, back at the Bebop, Faye is trying to shower again, and now it's way <laughs> too hot because Ed is just like spraying down the bonsai trees with cold water. So, so yeah, she gets nothing yeah. but hot water in the shower, which I think is very hilarious. Like filling that room with cold water. Um, and this is where Spike realizes like something is wrong because yeah, he, he's he like, Wait, why the hell are you even in here? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, why is why is Jet letting you touch this? This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Now back once more to the the ship where the prisoners are or the uh, the inmates are, and we hear Udai talking on the phone to somebody, seemingly his old syndicate, and they are cutting ties with him. So they just took a very very dangerous criminal in a very dangerous situation, and they just gave him nothing left to lose because he's like, oh fuck, I have nothing now because that's where I was going. <laughs> exactly, and uh, I like this this conversation a whole lot you get the creepy um like computer syndicate voice basically saying there is no relationship between us and udai whatever his last name is udai taxi like it's it's very cool and, and neat I, I dig that a whole lot um and then uh jet and thad 
who were in the same ship have realized, oh yeah, they they are in Europa. Like you were right. And uh, Jed is basically like, hey, I'm going to take them from the side because I'm a bounty hunter now. And Dad's like, well, when you're done with this, you should be a cop again. Yeah. And then Jet just like takes off way too early. It <laughs> gets away because he just wants to capture the dude and and you know maybe turn him in for a bounty and get rich. I guess. Yeah. Or maybe yeah, I, deal with him himself personally. I'm not quite sure. I think this is almost like a reflection of what happened those years ago because they split up he's like all right you go that way i'll come around the other side um which is exactly what they did the first time around but that time jet lost an arm so we know that the bad things happen to jet when he when he tries to run ahead of the game um jet jumps into his ship with the giant harpoon on it and starts uh flying towards the prison ship who is there's one guy manning the guns and he's he can't really land a shot on him uh there's another guy shooting rockets at him which i believe is Udai. uh just basically opens the like a a, a door in the hole and starts shooting rockets which is hilarious and great to me yeah (laughs) it's just dope yeah uh and eventually jet's ship gets shot uh, but he's able to get the harpoon off and it tags the the prisoner ship so he's basically pulled into the prisoner ship and breaks into it all on his own which frankly is extremely baller like that is jet what the who the fuck are you man like you were crazy just just pulled out some fucking moves like he just like (laughs) jumps from ship to ship as if they were like like ships on on the ocean on earth but no he's just out in space he's like yeah i'm just gonna jump in here no big deal and he just starts taking people down he's just fucking fighting his way through there it's awesome, dude. Like, I want, I want an episode. I want a, a version of the raid that is nothing but jet taking down spaceships, like yeah. just a giant apartment building full of spaceships. That and then he comes like, in. He sees that there's a camera on him. He looks up at the camera, smiles, and then shoots it. Fucking <laughs> cool, man. Like, all right, all right, jet, jet. is the best. Jet is the um, best. But because of that, Udai also has now seen Jet, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna go take this dude on myself um meanwhile everyone else tries to bail out and they get like, sucked into space or otherwise killed like it doesn't end well for anybody yeah um, I, I didn't understand what was going on here because they go to this dude who was you know who's, who's kind of panicking he's like i'm gonna open this door and get out of here and then the next scene he's just floating in space i guess he spaced the whole because i think cabin? it's like the hole that that jet had come through oh okay cool. or something guess, or like something was yeah, damaged yeah. or it wasn't closed behind him or whatever so he opens that door and rather that being like them being the hatch that should have been there it's just like open space and he's like oh fuck and he gets sucked away um and now we see jet going through that that dark red hallway from the beginning of the episode with the with a real moody dark lighting um and it's time for shit to get real yeah and we get a, a brief glimpse of thad who has somehow made his way to the uh to the what do they call like the the pilot's spot on a spaceship? The I just completely cockpit. Cockpit, maybe sure. The bridge. I think that's what the I was bridge, going for. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah, made yeah. his way to the bridge and is um, notably lo- loading his his six shooter with just one bullet, kind of like a Russian roulette style thing. And I wasn't quite sure what they were going for here because I hadn't read the episode description, so I didn't know what would quite what was happening. <laughs> um, I and Jet start fighting and they start shooting each other. Uh, eventually they, they go like kind of hand in hand and Jet says, don't you, you know, before you kill me, don't you want to know what really happened to your arm? It, it wasn't me that shot it off. It was yeah. your partner. And yeah. he did it so that uh, you're, because you were getting so close to the syndicate, your partner wanted to get rid of you and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was this whole, this whole syndicate because, yeah, Jet's partner, um, Jet's partner was, was dirty and clearly had some dealings with the syndicate and he didn't, uh, he didn't need Jet sniffing around because he was about to catch Udai. So it's like, all right, well, yeah, we'll just set up this whole thing. And this time we actually see the memory, not as Jet saw it, but for what it really was, the event for what it really was, because, you know, it's fiction, so we can do that. And this time we see, um, 
Jet's partner up on the rooftop above with the sniper rifle and he takes the shot and takes Jet down. Um, and I wonder, because they don't really discuss it, if he was just trying to take him out of the game permanently, not kill him, because if you shoot a guy in the arm, you, I mean, I, I presumably you weren't shooting to kill unless it was just that's what happened. Um, unless he's just a bad cop. And not like bad yeah. as in dirty, but just a bad, like he just doesn't know how to use at, a sniper yeah. rifle. <laughs> he's yeah. not good at sniping. <laughs> um so yeah, then the, the the flashback fades the same way it did last time with the gunshot, but this time it's not the gunshot of of Jet being shot; it's Udai being shot by uh, Jet's partner. Um, and yeah, so his his partner calls him out now that Udai's been shot. He says, "You brought this on yourself. You couldn't just play the game. Um, people who go against the syndicate lose Jet. They lose big. Either they give up like you did, or they die young." Um, which I w- I wrote that down because when they talked about the syndicate, this is the first time me noticing this, thinking, oh yeah, fuck, Spike totally was totally part of that. Um, oh, yeah. And the you know, they give up like you did, or they or they die young. I mean, Spike Spike got out, but you know his his whole his whole past is still very obscured and, and strange. So, but I just thought I, it's interesting when they when they mention the syndicate in episodes that that Spike's not even in. Um, but yeah, he for some reason just decided he was pulling Jet in on this mess i don't know to to get udai is that like why he calls jet back in well presumably it's 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 two loose ends uh there's you know if if this guy has been running dirty for a long time he doesn't care if jet is a bounty hunter on the edge of space because who is he going to tell he doesn't know anything but now udai is loose and you know that the potential for udai and jet to hook up could be there so why not bring them together and have them kill one another and then you come out on the other side Thad comes out on the other side smelling like roses with all of his secrets buried. Um, what's strange to me here is that when they both go for their guns, uh, the show makes it look like Thad gets the shot off and, J- and Jet collapses. But what really happens is the uh, he, he loaded his gun. He only loaded it with the one bullet. And Jet seems to imply that it's on purpose, almost like he wanted to kind of suicide by cop, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't really seem like what Thad would do unless he was trying to get like it seems like there's a there's a lot better ways to do that but I don't I don't I didn't quite understand the the whole one bullet in the gun situation so maybe if yeah. somebody could could write in and help us out with that I'd I don't know it. if it was like you know just sort of luck of the draw here like let's see what happens let's see if uh jet fires back or let's I don't know I I don't really know it's very strange very strange but it's certainly dramatic Absolutely, and uh, and Thad asked for uh, for a cigarette as he as he's dying, saying he did, guess he didn't quit smoking after all. And then before yeah. he could really even take a drag, he he dies, and and we get some cool jazz music to to play us out of the episode. And in a typical Cowboy Bebop fashion, there's no like you know head back home and talk about it. It just fades out and see you, Space Cowboy. Yeah, they don't. Him and Spike don't talk over the uh, the hood of the Bebop <laughs> to put things in perspective. To yeah. you know, have a beer. <laughs> There's yeah. none of that. Um, yeah, this this episode is interesting. Like, I, I, again, it's it's not really expanding the world so much. Uh, you know, we we kind of knew syndicates, prisonerships seem like a like a logical fit here. Um, it's coloring in the lines of of Ed, excuse me of Jet a little bit to where you kind of start understanding some of the things that he was doing. But we also knew that he was a cop before, and we knew he'd gotten kind of tired of it and knew that he'd gave up that life to be a bounty hunter because of the weird kind of gray areas he was getting himself into so this seems like maybe the start of that but also you know the it, it seems like it doesn't add 
too much to what we know from Jed, no. except like, oh, his his arm got shot off and by by a sniper rifle, which yeah. has to be one of the worst ways to get weird. your arm shot off. Very like, weird. yeah, that's a that's an odd yeah. thing. Like, I broke my leg by getting run over by a truck one day, and that's a weird thing to say out loud. I got my arm shot off by a sniper rifle is also a weird thing to say out loud. For so. sure, for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting. We know that Spike knows Faye's backstory now because he overheard her talking to the dog about it. Um, but we we don't really know if if the other characters will ever learn of what Jet went through. He could be like, oh yeah, it was just old business, and that would probably be that. Like Spike wouldn't pry, so that would be that. Um, we as the audience learn, but how much do these people learn as friends, as a crew? Um, friends seems like it's a it's a pretty loose term with them. They're definitely companions and crewmates, but friends sometimes I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those um, deeper than friendship, but not actually friends thing that happens. Mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. that you see happening on like crews and, and things like that, where you you because you were working with the person with this person because you were in possibly life or death situations with these people and things like that. You 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 have this bond with them, even though they you know maybe they're Trump supporters, <laughs> but you know you overlook <laughs> that because you were in sixteen dogfights with them and that you know they yeah, saved right. your life countless times. So you know you're not friends with them, and but you are you are bonded with them in in some way. Right, right. You trust I, I will them. say uh, this this episode was again just kind of a tour de force and being able to introduce these interesting characters and then mm-hmm. deal with them within a, like twenty five minutes. Yeah, and that's that's one of my favorite things about this show is like they can they could get you kind of caring about these people. I don't know that I necessarily cared about you die, but I was way into him the entire episode. Like I yeah, wanted, there's, there's I wanted to see what he would do. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and to be able to have that arc and a twenty five minute cartoon essentially like that's that's, right. that's really impressive. And the way that they they even they give him his arc, he defies expectations. We see him as this ruthless, like assassin right off the bat, and that's you know the other prisoners call him that. And then we just see him get rejected by his syndicate, and that's just like this totally different shade of like of a man who is coming back into a world that doesn't want him anymore. The same way that the world doesn't want Jet anymore, doesn't want his partner anymore. They're old men, and they've they've outstayed their welcome in in the world. And Udai is a victim of that as well. You know, he comes back, he thinks he's going to be this this assassin who's going to be taken back in, and he's totally rejected. And I think that that's what, he's probably almost relieved in a way when he sees Jet show up, because it's like, there's this strange unfinished business, even though he probably didn't have anything personal against Jet to begin with. But seeing that familiar face and knowing that Jet probably has a grudge against him gave him one last purpose and gave him something to do, which is strange that they were able to take this weird arc with a one-off bad guy. It makes me curious how, uh, because this is the second episode that we've gotten with Ed's history, where basically everybody he knows dies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, all all of his past is kind of burning up around him where he doesn't have any connections to this previous personality, this previous life. So it makes me wonder what the future for for Jet is with, with all of this stuff happening. Yeah, um, it's, I think, the last episode we get that's specifically about Jet, so it's interesting that this is where we leave it, because we, we definitely have one more with Faye that fills in uh, the dots a little bit, but yeah, uh, interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I like both of these a lot. Um, again, I, you know, I started this out and said, like, oh, hey, I, you know, these aren't like over the top exciting. Like, they're not, you know, huge AAA popcorn movie action sequence packed kind of kind of episodes. But I thought for what was happening, it was it was really really good for sure. Um, do you want to wrap this up? Do you want to do you want to get out of here? Yeah, I think we're good. 
So uh, this podcast is listener supported. All of our f- friends yeah. over patreon.com slash monster of the week made all of this happen and they get these episodes exclusively. If you're listening to this as it comes out, you are one of those people and we say thank you. If for some reason we put these thank on some you. sort of store somewhere or somewhere else, then uh, you know go consider going to check that out and getting some cool benefits. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. I am on Twitter at Local Bones. The podcast is at MOTWcast. Uh, the website is monsteroftheweek.cool. We'll be back next time with two more great sessions of Cowboy Bebop. Bebop.